Hey Sandra, bad news. Your DNA is the intellectual property of the Mormon Church. So good luck with that. Uh, no, it isn't. They sold it to BlackRock along with their other public records businesses a couple of years ago. By the way, they gave themselves the deed to your apartment block. So your rent is going up by 200% next month. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not so funny anymore. I'm very on brand for BlackRock and the Mormons too. <laughs> yeah, right? Hey everyone, welcome back to Dubious. Hey guys, hey Neil, what do we have for everyone this week? Well, you know how every now and then you get a little weird bit of information and just leads to a rabbit hole that goes forever? <laughs> I also know how it is that every now and then I get a little bit weird, full stop. But yeah, actually it's usually bad, right? Almost always bad, but we live in America, so that's to be expected. In this case, I had a job interview. Did you get the job? No, and I did not really want this job, let's be honest. But I was curious what they were doing. So I went to the interview anyway and just sort of answered all of their questions with other questions in return. And this was a company founded by a Mormon guy in Boston who was harvesting medical data from medical-related nonprofit charities around the country. Of course you had to stumble upon a Mormon <laughs> in your job interview. So, what were they trying to do with all the medical data? Well, it seems that the Mormons have a thing where they baptize the dead. What? I mean, wait, wait a second. What do you mean? Hasn't that ship already sailed, so to speak? Yeah, hopefully with two coins for the boatman, are they going to get kicked the f*** out as far as my memory <laughs> of the Iliad and the Odyssey is concerned? But in any case, they are very interested in who is related to who because they want to have families united as Mormons in the big all-you-can-eat Las Vegas buffet in the sky. Do they think baptizing the dead makes these people... Mormons in the afterlife or something against their will? Because, I mean, I guess these are people who are dead and, like, you can't ask them for consent. So is that even, like, ethically a thing to baptize them as Mormons? Apparently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. So wait, are they, like, stealing corpses? I mean, I see some logistical problems here. How do you baptize a dead no, it's fine if a couple of Mormon teenagers sign like a guest book on an iPad or something on the dead person's behalf in a Mormon temple. So <laughs> I, I, I just I I don't even know where to start. So how does this even work? It's like all these cults and sects and really like people know I'm not religious. You're not religious. Our people already know. But like. I don't get it. So how do you baptize the dead? Do you reach out to their relatives? And those are the people who have to give their consent for their grand granddaddy to be baptized as a Mormon no, after death? No, it's much simpler. Everybody in the Mormon church gets a free membership to Ancestry.com and they have a Mormon button in there that they can just click and it sends a notification to the temple to uh, get two volunteers to go, like, baptize uh, Adolf Hitler or Benito Mussolini or something. It's it's very streamlined and very modern. There's an app for that. <laughs> I, I don't know if I should laugh or because it's funny, but also it's not. Like, are you serious about the online thingy, like, where you can actually 
are they doing yes. this online? You're not Dead joking. Serious. Among the people the Mormons have baptized <laughs> posthumously are, as I said, Adolf Hitler. No, you're f joking. I do not believe you. Yes. I mean, I got citations from well-respected news publications. Yes, it all checks out. So we have Adolf Hitler, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter guy. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> Elvis Presley. Anne Frank. Princess Diana. Anne Di Frank, really? Yes. Princess Diana. Gandhi. Joan of Arc. Abraham Lincoln. Shakespeare. Albert Einstein. Groucho Marx. Christopher Columbus. George Carlin, mad about that one. Me too. He was atheist. He was one of ours. Like yes. You can't get him Mormons. He's one of ours. <laughs> uh, when they approach George Carlin in the afterlife and say, uh, Mormon Jesus is here to ask if you accept your baptism, he's going to tell them to f*** off. Yes, so. exactly. And also Anne Frank and also Elvis Presley for sure. I think even Steve Irwin and like even Joan of Arc and Lincoln and like all these people, Einstein for sure, Shakespeare, like... Also, like Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and basically all of the dead Catholic popes have been baptized as Mormons in the afterlife. It doesn't make any sense. It is it's complete insanity. I I I'm happy you I don't know how you found this information. I don't know. I think these people are rolling in their graves <laughs> in perpetuity, thinking that the Mormons are, you know. So it's very interesting reading the reactions to this when it came out in the press a few years ago. The Catholic officials seem to think it's just stupid and rude, but Jewish people are very mad about Anne Frank and the other Holocaust survivors. Obviously, understandably. Yes, I mean, I was going to say poor Anne Frank, that child, as if she hasn't been through enough in the few years she was here on Earth with us. I feel like it's almost like defiling her memory and not only her, like, but especially her as a child, you know, and as a Jewish child who suffers so much. I just, I don't get it. I don't know. I think it should be legal. I mean, it's not technically, although they did apparently admit that, okay, putting notable Holocaust survivors into the Mormon baptism records is rude at best. So they appointed someone from a Jewish organization to come oversee the database and make sure there were no more notable Holocaust survivors in it. So, Okay, so are these people's relatives, I mean, or the other religions they are affiliated with, like, mad about this? Are, like, I understand the reaction was not a happy one from people online and online communities, but... Is there any way to stop the Mormons for baptizing us as Mormon after we die, for example? No, Should we put that in our will? Like, don't baptize me as a Mormon? I think I'd do it anyways. I mean, there's nothing. See, that's the thing is they own this database, or at least they used to. So they're harvesting all of this genealogy data, like Ancestry.com, I guess, right? Well, actually, Ancestry.com was the Mormon church until recently. It was started in the 1990s as a hobby project by two Mormon men named Paul Allen and Dan Taggart, both BYU graduates, uh, not surprisingly. What's BYU? BYU is the like Mormon private university, Brigham Young University in Utah. Oh, okay. And for most of Ancestry.com's history, free access to the database was offered at Mormon churches. And Mormon volunteers were recruited to work on the databases, adding public records and death certificates and other such things. 
So it's a mountain of data to go through, and there's no reliable way for a computer to translate handwritten text. So older records had to be transcribed by hand, and they used Mormon volunteers for all of this. I mean, they're making a lot of money, and also they're basically using their own people for free, which is, I don't think is legal, but I guess in a cult it is. So besides the whole baptizing the dead thing, which I still haven't gotten over, uh, what's nefarious about all this? Is it passing, you know, like the dubious smell test? But I'm guessing because we are talking about it that the stench will arrive shortly. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. so let's talk about land fraud for a minute. Ooh, ooh that sounds more dubious. <laughs> yes, it is. So back in the 19th century, the early Mormon church... Uh, was kicked out of a couple of U.S. territories and threatened with genocide in one of them at the hands of the U.S. Army. I'm presuming for good reason? Yes. What they did in both Missouri in the 1830s and then in Illinois in the 1840s was they would move en masse the whole church to one small town in a sparsely populated U.S. territory. In Missouri's case, one that was not even a state yet. So... Then they would elect themselves to all of the public offices. And because they immediately had this strong political majority of the population, as soon as the next election passed, Mormons would be the judge, the sheriff, the mayor, all of the members of the city council, <laughs> and any other such office in the town that they had moved to. And then they would pass laws like, for instance, only Mormons are allowed to own real estate here. And when people refuse to sell their store or their house or their ranch or their farm or whatever to the Mormons, uh, the Mormons would just harass them until they left town. And, well, you know, if a Mormon pastor is also the clerk of court, it's a pretty simple problem to solve. You just go in there and you rewrite the deed to the property to whoever you want in the church to own it, and ta-da, it is now sold. Yeah, but I guess this obviously didn't work eventually because the United States isn't an entirely Mormon-owned theocratic state, right? No, it did not work. Uh, even though the founder of the Mormon church insisted that uh, the small town in Missouri they settled uh, in Jackson County, would be the new Garden of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> As it turns out, not so much. Uh, the governor of the Missouri Territory in the 1830s ordered the army to expel or kill all of the Mormons from the state after all of this sort of boiled over into local political violence. So they all picked up and moved to another small town uh, they renamed Nauvoo in Illinois in 1839. And the other Christian residents in Nauvoo, Illinois, welcomed them initially, but they were soon up to their old habits of financial fraud, so that pretty much wound up the same way. There were local militias formed, and they fought over property and who owned what, and in Illinois, the church's founder, Joseph Smith, and his brother, Hiram Smith, were actually killed by a lynch mob. Uh, before their scheduled criminal trial. And after they were expelled from Illinois, the church moved en masse to Utah, where they remain the most powerful socio-political group to this day. 
Neil, please tell the people what's our ace in the sleeve for making this podcast. Simple. Anchor by Spotify. Yes, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast even for the least technical people like me. Anchor has all the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Yes, guys, from your phone. You can be on the couch cuddling with your pets and working on your podcast at the same time. Incredibly easy. Plus, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Yes, Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what does all of this have to do with their ancestry databases and BlackRock? Well, as we mentioned in the intro, the Mormons who founded Ancestry.com sold that company to BlackRock uh, just a few years ago, and there have been lawsuits involving Ancestry.com in recent years mostly around the manner in which they were acquiring public records for the database they bought from the Mormon founders. When Ancestry sought to add new public records sources to their databases, they would approach the tax-funded public office, which owned the historical records, and offer to help digitize those records for them. As I mentioned before, since the records in many cases were handwritten, a lot of this could not be done without a pretty good deal of manual labor that the Mormon church volunteers were able to provide. But there was a catch to letting the Mormon genealogy company scan your records for you. Oh, I see where this is going. So my dubimitolar arms are going off right now. <laughs> Let me guess, the Mormons were insisting that the records become the intellectual property of their ancestry company. Bingo! There's a charity, in New York in particular, which has filed a string of lawsuits, and won most of the lawsuits that have gone to trial, against public records offices who refuse to honor Freedom of Information Act requests from individuals, while at the same time fulfilling records requests from Mormon companies like Ancestry.com. The charity is called Reclaim the Records, and we'll link to them in the episode notes. In fact, that charity is currently suing the U.S. National Archives in the largest Freedom of Information Act lawsuit in American history because of similar practices in which taxpayer money was used to digitize historical records. But after public money was spent on the labor of the digital records creation, Access was only given to for-profit companies like Ancestry.com. So what is Ancestry.com doing now? They've been around since the 1990s. These days, they have also amassed the largest archive of historical newspaper database records in the U.S. So if information is power... Yeah, it doesn't really look good for us because they seem to have more of it than we do at this point, right? Bingo. So the Mormon founders sold Ancestry.com along with all their other assets that uh, fell under that company to BlackRock in 2017 for $4.5 billion with a B. But this is where we're going to get a bit speculative. So We love to get speculative, don't, don't we? we, though? <laughs> we do. <laughs> so to recap all of this, Mormons have traditionally been guilty of land fraud and bank fraud, basically stealing real estate from people by falsifying records and harassment. 
That got them kicked out of both Missouri and Illinois in the 19th century, which is how they wound up in the far American West in Utah. Ancestry.com, the Mormon-founded genealogy company, has been amassing medical data, DNA data, birth, death, and estate records as well for decades, with help from the massive amount of volunteer labor that the Mormon Church can provide to build and maintain those databases. And then there was a thing about apartment blocks in Sweden and Denmark. Yes, there was. And before we get there, really fast, I just want to say that if any of these DNA companies want my DNA, they should be paying me. Like, first of all, I wouldn't give it for free. Second of all, I wouldn't pay to get a DNA kit. Like, what? Like, what do I really need to find out? You know, that I, you know, I know my grandparents. And even if you, I feel like... This is data that nobody should have except you and in case of a, an investigation, the authorities. Do you know what I mean? In case of, a, you know, murders and stuff like that. Yeah. But the only don't... thing I would add to that, state-funded university research, okay, fine. Yes, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But only for things like that. But not for profit research, no. No, not pay. for profit. No, research for, you know, for science. Just, just yes. research for the betterment of human kind whatever but you know 23 and me ancestry.com all these companies who are making millions and millions and billions actually of dollars of this dna data that they harvest and then they sell to other people to other companies and so on which you do and people even pay for it so not only they make lots of money we pay them to give them our dna and it's it's really not okay. But uh, back to what we're discussing, BlackRock and its former parent company, Blackstone, they insist they're separate companies. But let's be honest, we are talking about rebranding here because they have had so much bad press. BlackRock was originally an investment fund within Blackstone that was later spun off into a separate corporation. So basically all the same group of people. And among other things, Blackstone has been cited as the world's most significant investor in deforestation companies. The Dutch research firm Profundo lists 25 publicly traded companies as the most guilty corporations involved in mass cutting of rainforests. And BlackRock is among the largest three shareholders in all 25 of them. And of the 167 total companies listed in the report, BlackRock was an investor in over 60 of them uh, for a total value of $1.5 billion. What wonderful people literally profiting from setting everywhere in the world they don't live on fire. Yeah, they're basically destroying our planet. They have a big chunk of guilt in that process, yes. Anyway, while BlackRock, the investment fund, was setting the rainforest on fire in Brazil, Blackstone, its former parent company, has been buying up rental property in the past few years, notably in northern, eastern, and southern Europe. And they first got bad press in Sweden for buying apartment blocks via multiple layers of shell companies and then doing things like raising rents while simultaneously doing damage to the buildings to try and force tenants to move out. And when the buildings were emptied, they could be renovated and marketed to people like young tech workers who would pay higher rents. All they had to do was get rid of all the little old ladies that live in them on pension salaries. And while Blackstone caused a housing mess in Sweden, Denmark saw them coming, though. Yes, they did. There was an article in The Guardian just a couple of months ago 
about how Denmark was fighting back against Blackstone. And the Tenants Union in Copenhagen found that there were four layers of corporations involved in the typical Blackstone-owned apartment building. A property company would buy an apartment block, but the property company was wholly owned by a holding company, which was in turn owned by another holding company, which was then owned by a top company in Luxembourg, not even in the same country. And only the Luxembourg company was affiliated with Blackstone on paper. All of this, of course, was run through a local contractor in Copenhagen who was hired to represent all of these fake companies. So how does this get back to our Mormons? Remember earlier how we were saying that the Mormons are notorious for land fraud, finding ways to steal real estate, which they had not really bought. Mm -hmm. They actually preach this as part of their religious doctrine. They think the bit in the Bible about how thou shalt inherit the land of thy enemies is specifically for Mormons, and they're justified in what amounts to land piracy. Yeah, and Blackstone, a.k.a. BlackRock, purchased the Mormons' genealogy and medical data companies, right? Right. And there's a bit in the Guardian article about the apartment blocks in Copenhagen in Denmark that seems to intersect these two. In the article, it says that a local lawyer working on behalf of the Apartment Tenants Union found a deed in the public records archives in Copenhagen which seemed to put a deed restriction on the apartment blocks that Blackstone was buying. The deed restriction said that the property could not be sold to a private investor. Effectively, it was reserved for public ownership only. So what, is Blackstone going to start falsifying the databases they own if the public records don't agree with their property acquisition plans? Maybe. I mean... They own both, so why not? This is where we get speculative. They have not yet, but... We wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> it is a massive, massive conflict of interest, uh, you must admit, for the company who owns tens of thousands of residential property rentals to, oh, by the way, also own all of the historical deeds to those properties. So... Outside of skirting this deed restriction on the apartment block in Denmark, they have not done this yet. But, like we said, there's nothing to stop them from doing this at some point in the future. And after all, that's what the Mormons were doing in the 19th century. If they didn't have the property they wanted via a willing seller, they would just take it on paper and threaten the property owner until they left town. Yeah, just like Blackstone threatens apartment residents out of their homes in Sweden and Spain and Denmark if they refuse to pay the double rent. Exactly. In Denmark, because they are civilized people, unlike uh, we are in Texas and Mississippi, <laughs> they passed a law that restricted new landlords from raising rents within five years of owning a particular new property. And they also required them to maintain and improve the properties within those first five years to justify any rent creases later on. And Spain is trying to pass a similar law to curtail Blackstone there. Uh, and Blackstone is the largest corporate landlord in Spain as we speak. So Germany also attempted to cap rents in Berlin during COVID after Blackstone moved in and started buying apartment blocks there. But 
a German court ruled that the rent controls were unconstitutional in Germany. Yeah, I mean, this all feels a bit like uh, world domination in a way on the part of the Mormons. It, it seems like, because we're talking about all these countries, we're talking about Sweden, Denmark, Spain, Germany, and then we, we are talking about DNA data, we are talking about property data, we're talking about a lot of data and information that they own or owned or have access to. I mean, it is quite worrying and all of this is very hypothetical of course but it seems like a matter of time if one company owns so much land and so much stuff that the same company is also allowed to own public records i mean who is to say they're not gonna just determine who the owner of the land is by falsifying or modifying records and exactly even if there are laws and restrictions against Blackstone monopolizing rents, how are they going to enforce them if the laws and deed restrictions are published in Blackstone-owned databases and only reported on in Blackstone-owned newspapers? Which are printed on paper from Blackstone trees in Blackstone rainforests, oh. which Blackstone cut down to make room for a palm oil plantation or a cattle ranch or something. Yeah, which both, especially the cattle ranches, like, you know, uh, methane gas from the poor cows is also one of the causes of global warming. Like, besides, so th these are just, they are so evil on so many levels that it's really hard to pinpoint what I dislike most about them. You know, these Mormons. Anyway, we're yes. basically. <laughs> yes. Or maybe they are, one or the other. I mean, that's how history works. One person amasses, like, wealth and property until he has too much, and then another guy comes over from Germany and stabs him in the face with a spear or something. With a spear. So, <laughs> and then the process repeats, but... Yeah, it sounds like we're doing the same things people were doing 2,000 years ago, except doing it with shell companies and dollars instead of, like, I don't know, swords and chariots and spears and... Yeah, mostly. Also, like, let's be honest, I don't think there's going to be a winner in the end, because if we destroy the planet, like, what's... Like, nobody wins, but I guess, in yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. In one of the articles about research, which depends on these Mormon medical databases, there was mention of a genetic researcher who was working on the origins of Native American people, which was great until he found out what was, you know, since then widely known that uh, Native American tribes mostly came to North America via land bridges, uh, that used to connect Asia and Siberia to North America, and those land bridges just no longer exist. But it seems that the Mormon church did not like that in light of their doctrine, saying that America was Eden and Jesus uh -huh. came here <laughs> rather than uh, piecing out directly to heaven after his resurrection. Oh, is that what they think, that after the resurrection, Jesus moved to America? <laughs> kidding me or do they really believe that yes jesus moved to missouri <laughs> to missouri specifically <laughs> it's wild isn't it it is i mean can you believe people actually lead their lives according to this doctrine it's insane <laughs> it's insane <laughs> so what did, did jesus go to like mcdonald's to get the double cheeseburger <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. I have not read all of the Mormon scripture, so you got me on this one. Um, I'm going to bet that it doesn't even come close to matching up with the Mormon insistence that only white people are worthy of salvation, though, because uh, 
you know, the native people from America that uh, I'm familiar with are definitely not white. So I don't know how they are chosen by Mormon scripture, but there's a way somehow. Yeah, so as far as I know, these Mormons, they insist that non-white races are the people of Cain and must not be intermarried with other Mormons, which complete insanity, race, you know, all that stuff. But I think that's why they've lasted so long, despite their fraudulent financial ways, right? I mean... Yeah, because what? Early Americans and other religions were also very racist. Say it isn't so. Yeah, race and <laughs> like, look, if you look at all religious evangelical movements, cults, sects, whatever you want to call them, they're all racist. This is like a main trait, especially the ones that are very extremist or, you know. America in particular, because of its colonial origin, you know, I know we've mentioned this in another episode, but the founder of the original colony uh, at Plymouth Rock, you know, he had to justify to all of these supposed religious, you know, settlers why it was totally okay to just kill all of the natives uh, nearby and expand their territory. And that's how they justified it was, oh, well, because they're not white. And so in hell, like, I mean, like the mental gymnastics one has to do to even go. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't like the race of Cain. How, like, first of all, how, like what Cain and Abel were brothers in the Bible, right? As far as I remember. So if they're brothers, they both have the same color generally back then. They most likely have the same parents, no? Shh, you're ruining the story. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, because thousands of years ago, there were no, I mean, I guess, were there polygamous marriages? I don't know, but it doesn't make any sense. It, it's just a dislike of people with other skin colors. It's just racist, plain and, and simple, yeah. Yes, and it wasn't just in America. I mean, there's a bit in a very famous political treatise written by an Englishman. His name is John Stuart Mill uh, from the 1850s. And he bemoans how discriminated against and mistreated the poor Mormons were at the hands of their enemies in the American oh, government because they just could not <laughs> reconcile how an entire religion full of white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people could be so uh, so terrible. This It must be a mistake. Look at them. They're gorgeous. Yeah, it's I, it's hard to hold, hold the mirror up and look at it, right? I guess. Yes. I don't think people realize the extent of the financial fraud that um, was organized by the Mormon church in those days. Yeah. He probably also didn't realize how they would pay people who amassed large amounts of wealth in teenage girls either. No, probably not. That guy who was the subject of the Netflix series Abducted in Plain Sight, who took a teenage girl he kidnapped to Mexico uh, to quote-unquote marry her, was a Mormon, by the way. Yeah, of course he was. So really, the only thing separating these Mormons from the psychopath Islamic religions, like the ruling governments in Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, is the whole beheading thing, right? Well, wait just one minute. You can't be serious. <laughs> the Mormons also believe historically in blood atonement. So it's the doctrine that says there are certain sins so bad that only spilling one's own blood in a sacrifice to the earth can atone for it. So it's 
It's beyond the capability of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And I'm sure adultery is one of them, right? <laughs> of course it is. And if you're a Mormon, you are sure that adultery is always the woman's fault. Too. Yes. And by the woman, they mean like the child bride, because they do have yes. child brides. Ugh. So there's really no difference between them and the Saudis, except the swords. <laughs> Not really, no. In Utah, that's why they still used firing squads for criminal executions until very recently. So it's the whole spilling the blood thing that they have to get done when they kill somebody for the state. Uh, America is the weirdest place on this planet, I swear. <laughs> Yeah, we do have our weirdos, I must admit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and look, uh, I've recently read or heard some, I don't know, because I watch so many things and I listen to so many podcasts and audiobooks and I read articles, but I know from somewhere, can't remember exactly where, that there was one Mormon guy who was the grandson of the guy who initially formed the Mormon church, right? And he was one of the 128 grandchildren that the founder had or something like that. And apparently he wanted to really become rich and find a way to make a lot of money. So he found a way of stealing from the government. He founded this uh, company that would transform toxic oil into like biodegradable fuel somehow. But what he used to do, because the government had a program to where they would give like a certain amount of money for each liter of oil that would be transformed into good oil, right? And he basically falsified tens and thousands of documents and basically got millions and millions of dollars from the government. And anyway, then he grew his business and he became extremely rich and started hanging out with real mobsters. And he had Bugattis and Maseratis. And then apparently the Mormons are going to give you uh, the more money you bring to the church, the younger and the hotter the wives that you're getting are. So basically it's like for you're gonna have to beep that Neil but like <laughs> it's like if you want young beautiful women you gotta bring money you gotta pay so basically it's like the carrot that's why a lot of Mormon men are striving so hard to grow businesses that make lots of money because they want hot wives and by hot by the way as I said earlier some of them are young and beautiful 20 year or whatever but the problem here is with child brides which you know we know it happens, and I do not know, I understand religious freedom, but uh, I feel there's a fine line between what's freedom and what's, uh, you know, illegal. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I'm sure we're not telling people anything they don't know. You know, there's been documentaries for years about, you know, these people that escape their Mormon upbringing only to be outcast by their family and they struggle to get jobs and make a living because they that's it. It's like if you, you know, think about it, if you're a kid that's born into one of these desert towns in Utah and you manage to escape the arranged marriage when you're 14 years old to some guy who's like 65, even if you get out of town, you're still in Utah. Every person you see on the street is going to be another Mormon. So yes, yes, it's it's very very hard. And honestly, I don't know, but I I don't understand why they have tax exempt status. Mega churches they should not be tax exempt. Those are businesses. They are making millions and millions of dollars. They have private jets. Okay, they have more money than actual companies have. That are you know like it's insane. 
So Kenneth Copeland, the televangelist here in Dallas, has his own private airport to go with his Gulfstream. And he has a published approach into his private airport. And so there has to be a guy there on the radio in case some other plane needs to make an emergency landing. And when I used to fly, every time we flew out that way, we would call and ask permission to land just to bother them and make the guy answer the radio because, you know, it's a guy sitting there getting paid to do nothing all day. Yeah. So it's like, hey, wake up, answer the radio, do your f-ing job. <laughs> but yeah. And the one thing I would like to add is very interesting that. I've realized looking into the Mormons in general and from what I know is that it's not something we we should, I don't know, not really care about because they do have connections and extreme influence. They're very, that's why they can pull off all these um, things they are doing, you know, uh, uh, this massive acquirement of data, buying of companies, uh, owning all this information, going extended into Euro- extending into Europe and countries in Europe trying to buy property and stuff. They have influence because they do have money and, you know, politics is all about the money. So they, I don't know, we should keep an eye on them is what I'm saying, because they're not good news, these people. You know, another thing that comes to mind that they've done over the years And Sandra and I have talked about this recently, although we haven't done an episode about it yet. You know, all these fraudulent medical treatments like uh, Tom Brady's uh, vitamins that can cure COVID and all these things. Every time the U.S. Congress tries to curtail or outlaw these things, you know, stuff like Dr. Oz was selling, too. Yeah, the snake oil salesman. Yeah. Yes. Every time Congress tries to curtail these weird fake medical treatments, Guess who it is that comes to bat for them and blocks it in the Senate? The Mormons? <laughs> the Mormon senator from Utah was the one for years going to bat for all of these fake medicine companies because, again, back to the subject of this episode, all of these research labs were going to the Mormons in Utah to do medical research on you know, like genetic strains and DNA samples and all this stuff, because they have all this data that they've been amassing all this time. So they had access to all of these medical testing laboratories who were using their data. And it was pretty easy to say, hey, tell you what, while you're at it, how about you send my sugar pills through the lab and give me a clean piece of paper that I can send to the FDA? Don't you worry, my senator buddy in Washington will make sure it sails through. Yeah, so we should keep an eye on them because they're not, I mean, it's funny, but it's also not funny. And it's like, it's kind of scary. They have a lot of power and they shouldn't, I think. So what's the dubimeter on the Mormon church owning all of our medical data, all of our DNA data, and then selling it to the world's worst corporate landlord? (laughs) Along with keeping harems of teenage girls for themselves and the whole magic underwear, too, of course. Well, I mean, what the f*** is the deal with the magic underwear before I get into the <laughs> dupimeter? What, what, I, what does the underwear do? What, can you explain it to us? So my ex-wife actually dated a Mormon guy once and had firsthand experience with the magic underwear thing. So <laughs> she says... Apparently, it's supposed to remind the wearer of their temple vows and, quote, protect them from temptation and evil. But here's the catch. She said that the magic underwear has an open crotch. So (laughs) I I mean, it sounds like an invitation to enjoy some temptation and evil to me. I mean, even designed for easy access, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) 
so wait, do they take it off? Uh, I, I mean, I'm just curious. Do you think so? Do they wear this while they have sex, the Mormons, or like do they take it off at any point, or do they always they, do they never see each other naked? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, they take it off, but they always they're supposed to always wear it under their clothes. Okay, it. I mean, I, I guess if you want to be reminded of anything, like a, a nice bracelet would be, you know, like a symbolic. <laughs> like you don't have to like wear. Yeah, like, I mean, it would, be, it would definitely be simpler, but yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's kind of hot. Yeah, I mean, unless you mean literally hot in that you are wearing a second layer of cotton underneath all of your regular clothes. Imagine how sweaty you'd be in the summer in the desert in Utah with all of that on. (laughs) Yeah, right. But anyway, small price to pay for being able to hang out with all of the white Native Americans in Jesus in Missouri in the afterlife. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we going to give the Mormon church and their friends at Blackstone, a.k.a. BlackRock, for hoarding all of our historical data and trying to either sell it back to us or use it to steal our future residents in Copenhagen <laughs> when we get out of this shithole country and move to Denmark. <laughs> well, I think my demimeter on a scale from 1 to 10 for this episode, for this subject with the Mormons, goes to... 30 because i think it's the highest score i've ever given just because there are so many dubious things about these people and what they're doing and they're so shady on so many levels and the fact that they have access to all this data this scares me okay can you imagine like just the dna thing in itself okay they have access to a ton of information and information is power and they should not have all this power no so do you agree with dubimeter 30 yeah i mean People get worked up over, you know, a tweet with people protesting in a street over some political issue. But honestly, far more crime can be committed with a database than anything in a street these days. And well, depends. I mean, we had the protest at the Capitol like that was like that was a an insurrection. That was a coup. So that's one thing. If it's a smaller protest, like whatever, two crazy people. Uh, I, I guess I get your point. With no internet, you can't get them all there at the same time. Yes, what you're saying is that the online and the information is more dangerous, yeah. The information is what puts it all together and ties it all up. Or the disinformation, depends on how, yeah. Well, depending on your preference, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So, to my knowledge, the assholes at Blackstone have only ever violated the one deed restriction in the Denmark apartment block case. But let's be honest. If they're allowed to own all of this public data and also allowed to monopolize rental property, it's a matter of time before they're just taking property by rewriting the records after the owner dies or something and refusing to let anyone else see them. Yeah, I mean, greedy and horny, the two strongest human behaviors, and the typical priest or pastor is both. Pretty much. We've got them all covered in this story. So Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. We appreciate you guys. As we mentioned in the intro to the last two public episodes we unlocked, we're taking a break for the holidays and therefore we'll be unlocking some of the older premium episodes for our public ones um, over these next few weeks. And then in December, we're going to stop doing the two premium episodes For a while, we're not sure exactly. The thing is, we are overwhelmed. We do not have the physical time. We would love to continue doing the premium episodes. We literally do not have the physical time to pull it off. Yeah, it's a lot to do six episodes per month. I mean, generally, we spend 
at least a couple of days of research, a day writing, and a day of recording and editing per episode, which is doable with just the one episode per week, but doing six per month when there are day jobs too, well, it's a lot. So, as we said in the premium versions of our last two public episodes, those of you who stick with us on your premium subscription will only be billed half of what you were paying us before going forward starting in December. And you'll still get the public episodes ad-free on the same feed that you're following in your apps now. And we'll still have one more premium episode for you guys next week. And we are not going away, don't worry. And as soon as we, you know, uh, hopefully have more time, I don't know, maybe we start being more successful and actually find the time to do this or maybe have a small team to help us, we'll be back with the premium episodes at some point in the future, hopefully. I think that's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, guys. Thank you so much. We love you. See you soon. 